You do. Hello, and welcome to Clearly Aligned Podcast. We're on number five. Uh, I'm Kelly Tyrrell, and I'm here with founder Dr. Stephen Schulk. Um, today's topic is delivery day. How yeah. are you, Dr. Schulk? <laughs> I'm good. Just um, Kelly and I have been going through this, but background for everybody else. This podcast has taken a lot of time to get to here. <laughs> I think we rescheduled five times with both of us having times where we um, either forgot about it or missed times. And then an hour of problem solving before we start even. So let's hope that it's good. <laughs> we hope your delivery day has been easier than ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so oh, let's just start off. So um, I've been following you around the earth. It seems <laughs> yeah, like pretty we, much. Uh, we were recently in California, um, LA and San Francisco on our Beyond the Borders like little tour. So I learned lots uh, seeing you live. So that was amazing. And so many great um doctors obviously and audience members uh so many women the front row was all women just saying <laughs> like all top women, level doctors diamond providers too i know yeah who've been following you for some time and a lot of <laughs> diamonds and huge like airway doctors i have so much to learn even from that front row so i was oh, yeah. um thrilled to be part of that um and yeah now we have a lot of uh and vancouver that was a big group right yeah that was we had i think like about 150 in san fran 80 or so in Los Angeles. And then uh, we were in Vancouver before that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fantastic. And a lot of you have uh, joined and signed up for our core courses or individual courses that you haven't, um, you know, that you, you started off and did foundations. So now you're reaching out to do biomechanics or mix. So um, we're excited that you're excited yeah. and following along. So it's crazy. Yeah. We're busy. It is. It's, it's busy. <laughs> And I but. haven't got to all your emails. I just saw an email <laughs> yesterday saying, I'm missing emails, but I'm catching you. I mean, people are reaching out <laughs> Facebook and directly and all, Car- there's so many people coming pigeon. at me from all angles. So. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. We'll all get there eventually. <laughs> awesome. So today we're talking about delivery day. Um, we've kind of been strategically and methodically working our way up to this with our past podcasts. Um, so at this point, we're going to jump off um, as if our ClinCheck has been approved. Um, you've taken those kind of uh, ClinCheck notes and those treatment notes and put them into your dental software so that the team is, you know, got their little Bible, as Dr. Schult calls it, and knows exactly what this treatment is about, whether there's elastics involved, et cetera, et cetera, what the rotation is, if dental monitoring is involved, and um, we're getting ready for this case to arrive. Um, so maybe I'll just ask you, Dr. Schult, um, like the preparation for when a case arrives or like FedEx, um, is it? No, it's UPS here in Canada. Uh, UPS. When UPS, yeah. When UPS um, delivers the case, is there anything that happens right at that point? Like does your admin team log it or how does your team know it's in the building? Sure. So yeah, we have a system and, and I think you could set it up kind of in whatever makes the most sense for your clinic. But when the trays arrive, we go ahead and we have them put on a specific shelf that is the like arrived shelf where it, it hasn't been um, redistributed to wherever it needs to f- finish up. And so that will then go ahead and when, when the staff has time, allow them to move the cases that are restart cases. So what I mean by that for doctors listening is that when you are on a second batch of aligners or a third batch of aligners, Right. Sometimes that uh, is something that confuses doctors. They'll be like, well, what do you mean mm-hmm. there's second batch or third batch? We kind of always plan that we're going to have more than one set of aligners. So mm-hmm. if the patients finish that first batch, now they're on to a new batch, then we don't always need an appointment for that patient to get that second set of trays. 
So those trays get moved into a certain spot where the administrators can go ahead and give them to the patients. Um, if it's a case that needs just like one or two attachments put on, mm-hmm. then we put that in a separate area. Um, and if it's a brand new start, we put it in a third area because the brand new starts, those we want to go ahead and we usually will uh, preload the trays before the patient arrives. Whereas awesome. if it's just one attachment going on, then we don't. And if it's someone who obviously is just picking them up, then we just give them a phone call and they swing by to grab the trays, try them in in the waiting room, and then they're right back into treatment again. Fantastic. Yep. I worked um, pretty similarly in the past. Um, the exception, um, our admin team, because they're typically the ones at the front desk when UPS arrives, is uh, they just make a quick note, like right in our schedule, because our patients are all pre-booked. So we have a bit of a difference there. You, you're new. Are you new, new patients at least pre-booked? For their, like four we, we weeks go later, kind of every direction. Um, we used to pre-book a lot, and then we kind of moved away from it. Uh, new patients, we generally pre-book. Okay, it's more the patients who are in treatment. We try to keep right. those ones available so that we can very like quickly and easily bring the patients in when they need to come in, and okay. base it on the tray number, not necessarily how many weeks it's going to be. Okay. Yeah, we just, um, in the appointment book itself, just beside their name, as that case comes in, they just are getting rid of all the external boxing. They'll just make a note, trace of arrived, just so that us in right. the clinic, we're all like, at least they're in the building. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. And we have done the same thing. We've converted like a full closet for our aligners, not to keep them. We only keep them temporarily until we see the patient, and then we give them all away. Um, but they all are housed in that area um, with a little sticky number with their insert date. So it's a little bit organized. Um, yeah. And then we do the exact same thing. They are brought back into the clinic for the preloading stage, um, which I'm a huge supporter of. It might not make sense um, to you at this point if you're just a beginner and you just have you know, one or two patients and you have lots of time because you're giving yourself like two hours to yeah. deliver <laughs> an Invisalign case. Um, but it's a great habit to get into to preload your trays. And by that, we mean fill them up with the attachment glue ahead of time. Um, and I guess we could kind of um, just explain that a little bit. Um, you, you pre-spray yours with like a food grade silicone? Yeah. Yeah. So just if you go on like Amazon and just Amazon search food grade silicone, or you can also use um, like PAM. Yeah. Right? Just something that is going to prevent the, the attachments from sticking too much to the trays. It makes it a little easier once you've gone ahead and you've cured the attachments in the patient's mouth and you're ready to take the trays off. If you, uh, if you have something that kind of grease the interface between the attachments and the tray. And I get asked, yeah. does that affect the bond? But it doesn't affect the bond strength because the part of the attachment that's touching the tooth has not come in contact with the food grade silicone or the PAM. So right. you just spray the inside of the trays. And just to give background, probably for those who, as you're explaining the preloading, Kelly likes, like we do, we like using packable composite and then loading those trays before the patient arrives. So then you go ahead and you put all the composite in the trays. And then did you do the same thing, Kelly? How did you make sure that the, the trays didn't cure from light exposure? So yeah, in the early days when I was a little bit newer and preloading was like making us nervous, we used to preload them. We used to put them in a black mouth guard case and we like even taped out the holes and we used to put them in the fridge and with the name <laughs> and it was like completely ridiculous when we figured out that that is totally not necessary. Yeah. So we just put them right back into their template um, sleeve. And we just put them under that first 16 aligners. Usually it's 16 in that box. So we put them underneath there to hide them. 
and and that's that and honestly um we we usually do that a couple days before their appointment or um you know an invisalign champion or a liner champion or whoever they are um is is doing this kind of prep work for for the cl clinician and uh so she'll get them all loaded and put away and again it's it's usually a day or two before whenever she has time she'll work days ahead and if the patient happens to cancel it doesn't happen that often because this is their big day oftentimes but if it's a refinement sometimes it'll restart it will um slip their mind and in that case we just put them back on the shelf and uh we we don't pry them all out and reload it, it's i don't think it's ever been a problem um yeah you know i'm us, sure yeah. if you left it for months maybe but who knows right well here's how, um, so it, here's it's how a fantastic it. idea yeah. and i think it also um allows for a little bit more precision in loading and so again with the packable um you have a video so you have like the gun and you kind of like push it in and micro brush and kind of like pack it in or whatever. Um, uh, with the packable, I tend to um, scoop off. We don't, we don't have the gun, but we, I scoop off little chunks. So if it's a big attachment, a big, bigger chunk, and I roll it on my glove, like into a ball, and then I just oh. transfer it in and um, pack it down. Um, I have used flowable for years as well. And that also um, does not cure or, or run out. You think it's flowable. It's ask, not running do you, anywhere. You find um, the and you just okay. slightly overfill it. It's almost like um, if you fill a glass of water or milk or whatever, and it's got like that little curve, that meniscus, I think it's called yeah, officially, um, but that kind of thing. Um, so you're overfilling it slightly because um, you don't want a deficit or a bubble. It's always better to have a little bit of flash to remove, in my opinion, than to have a, a deficit or like an undercut because then we end up cheating and backfilling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> can can but, you explain um, that for, for the doctors listening right now, what you mean by cheating and backfilling? Yeah. So if your assistant, like your, your champion who's preloading, or if you're doing it yourself, if you don't put enough flowable or packable in and you're curing it against a tooth, um, and so it's either not enough of material or you haven't pushed that template against the tooth as you're curing it. So it's set away from the tooth. What happens is when you peel it off and you're hopefully with your black light at first, just assessing your work, you'll notice little uh, bubbles. It's like air, little air bubbles that are popped or it's like a, a canyon, it, like where the tooth surface and the attachment is, you'll notice like a gap. And it's so it's not really all bonded to the tooth, but it's there. And with your fingernail, you're kind of like, it's kind of there. And you're, you know, kind of like, oh, darn it. I should click that off and redo the whole thing. But what we often do is I will take um, a little bit more Assure. Assure Plus is my favorite bond. I will microbrush and add a tiny bit more Assure. I'll make sure it's dry. It is dry anyways, but I'll add a little bit more Assure and I will backflow it with my composite, making sure like I'm just filling it in. And almost always that works, but... Again, I don't want to leave any air bubbles because that's what's going to stain. And the next visit, patient's going to be like, oh, what are these little, you know, stain bubbles from coffee getting underneath the attachment? So to, to solve that problem, overfilling a little bit and taking off that extra flash, please take off that extra flash because once you've taken like Dr. Schultz attachment and biomechanics course and you realize how important these attachments are in the interface of the plastic to the tooth to the attachment um if you just leave a big lump of garbage around your attachments <laughs> you're just sabotaging the whole thing so totally. uh, train and your team to to be very specific with that yeah for mm -hmm. anybody listening uh, right now who doesn't know what flash is a uh, flash is essentially the term we use for any extra composite uh, this is funny my my partner in the practice um he was doing some invisalign when i first started and he told me, he's like, I've got this secret for how I make sure my attachments never fall off. My secret is I overfill all of my attachments. And then when I put them on, 
I've got extra composite helping hold that attachment on so that it's going to stick right on. But the yeah. problem is, is that, and I cover this in attachments and biomechanics in that course, that you need to have the trays engaged and adapted against the buckle surface of the teeth really nicely. If you have all that extra composite that pushes the tray away from the buckle of the tooth, then you don't have a nice tight interface between them. And the movements that you get are going to be less efficient or they're not going to happen at all. So exactly. yeah, like Kelly said, always make sure that you clean up that extra composite around the attachments or else the interface isn't good and, and you're going to run into problems. And if, if you're loading your own trays, which often you do as a, as a, a, a new provider, cause you want to be involved in the initial steps and that's fine. Eventually you'll pass the torch. I hope you pass the torch and delegate it to someone. Um, I would encourage you to have that person who's loading the trays to be chair side with you. Initially, you don't need to say anything. You don't need to critique their work. Cause you know, we just don't do that in Canada. <laughs> we just don't say too much or whatever. Um, they can see with their own eyes. If there's bubbles, if there's undercuts, if it didn't stick, or if it just went totally over the incisal edge. Um, that's how I trained my assistants. Um, I just had them chair side with me only for that five minutes where I was actually bonding and was peeling it off and they, they learned. And then soon enough, like there was never any, it's just, they get to that perfect amount. They're just really, really good at it. Uh, once in a while they go a little, you know, happy or whatever. Um, <laughs> But uh, for the most part, like it's just, it's really good just to, with everything, self-assess your work. So um, it, it's, it's a task anyone can do. You don't need to be super highly skilled really. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. So that's one part of, I would say like pre-setting or pre-loading for your day. And the whole idea here is that you're making the patient's time in the chair and also for your clinic more efficient. So you can reduce the chair time, but also improve the patient experience. Um, they're leaned back. They're not waiting for you to fill things or, you know, fiddling around with tools. Um, you can really get them bonded in, I mean, 15 minutes or less, probably definitely less for a full mouth. And Dr. Shulk yeah. and I like our attachments. So <laughs> we're like seven to seven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of attachments. So yeah, I, I like what you say there. Um, cause a lot of doctors will, will kind of say, well, it's harder to use packable composite or it takes longer. But what Kelly touched on, which is so important, is that I don't really care if it takes longer if it's not chair time, right? Mm -hmm. If someone cancels and we have time in our schedule, then that's a great opportunity to fill and load the trays so that when the patient comes, they're ready to go and you're not spending five or six minutes. Uh, let's say you prefer flowable because you find it faster and you normally do a chair side. Well, if you're wasting six minutes of a 60 minute appointment filling your trays chair side with the patient there that to me is a, a, an inefficiency that affects your profitability you are mm -hmm. um 10 times you're you're one tenth less efficient than if you had preloaded those trays um exactly. and so kelly can you talk a bit more on you mentioned that you'll preload with flowable i've actually yeah. never done that before how do you find that yeah, it, um, 100%. It's the same. So when I, I, I transitioned from one ortho specialty office to another, both diamonds, so like high, high amounts of, uh, you yeah. know, for anybody listening, that's the, like the previous one was packable. And then my current one used flowable. And so of course, initial resistance from the hygienist who thinks she knows it all, but I, I adapted. Um, and yeah, it, it does not cure any more easily. Um, does it wear down a little bit more easily because it's it's less filled um, possibly, but honestly across the board, and I see a lot of scans um, 
all the time, like from different offices, um, all of our attachments are, the, the edges are getting smoothed and whatever. So I, I, I wouldn't say I notice um, a huge difference. Um, and, and yeah, so we preload um, partly because it's easy, partly because it's just a preference. Um, we do always use the um, radio, uh, radio opaque, um, yeah, radio opaque uh, uh, product, um, whether some of us will check it all the time with the light and some of us won't. Um, but I, I do find having that black light for flash specifically, but also just that the shape um, is good. And also for D-bonds, don't underestimate that black light on D-bonds because that's that thin layer of plastic on their teeth or composite on their teeth. And sometimes they'll come back because they feel like a tiny little edge. And with the black light, you just need to shine it over and you know exactly what you've missed. So you're not taking off too much or too little or scratching the enamel. Um, uh, we use uh, high speeds with burrs, composite burrs or whatever in uh, Ontario for sure. Um, so, you know, it's just an easy way to know uh, that you've just taken off the right amount and uh, haven't left anything behind. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about you touched on the black light. So I'll go ahead and just give a bit of information for those listening. What Kelly's yeah. referring to with the black light, because um, I know some of you have taken the courses and some of you haven't, but the black light is referring to essentially just a flashlight that you can buy on Amazon. And it's a, you can just search like black light flashlight. Mm -hmm. And what this allows you to do is that this flashlight will light up certain types of composite and those composite types then uh, will show up as being uh, fluorescent under the black light. And then that way you can go ahead and, and see what Kelly was saying is two different things. One is remove the extra flash, so that extra little bits in, of composite that the patient will notice and will cause the trays not to seat properly. And then second of all, when you're taking off all of your attachments, it's so much faster and more efficient if you can see exactly what's tooth and what's composite when you first start, you really don't know. Like, it's hard to have the feel between what is what. Mm -hmm. At this point now, like, we've gotten to the point that, like, I could probably take off attachments. Blind. I don't want to say with my eyes closed, but you, because I need to actually see the difference of how the, like, composite flakes off the tooth. But yeah. it's just so much easier if you have that black light. It's, it's dummy proof. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's only certain types of composite that actually light up. So um, it's just important to make sure you have the right type of composite. And we kind of go through all of the protocols and details and like um, how to, how to like the, the product listings of which types of composite work and the black light, that's all covered in the foundational systems course as well. So um, everything we're talking about right now is, is covered in, in much more detail. Mm -hmm. One of my um, orthodontists, Dr. Dion, who I work with very closely here in Canada, um, he introduced me to um, same idea. It's a little black light. It's like this little tiny light and it can clip on your glasses or your shield. And it has like an awesome spectrum, like it's pretty intense and it's tiny. Um, and hit every single team member on his team has to have one always on their thing. And, and it, so it's fantastic because, I mean, I'm like an octopus because we don't have an assistant. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, I don't have my own person. Um, so I've got like my high speed. I've got my suction. I've got my flashlight in one hand and the, like the little... Yeah wrist strap half the time is dangling on their face. <laughs> I'm doing like all these kinds of things. So that little black light um, is a godsend, uh, the little clip on. So I'll, I'll share that too, where he got it from. It's, yeah. it's cheap, it's not expensive. I've tried looking for those before and I was oh. even gonna, I was talking to like some Chinese companies about making like a cover to go over your loop light. Like if you yeah. could just have a cover that would go down. 
That would be good too. Um, but if, yeah, if you have someone like that, I would love, love, yeah, love. I'll share that with that. you um, yeah. and see. We'll post that on so, the Facebook page So that's page fantastic. Too. So we've got like, so we've got it loaded. We've got it, put it back in the sachet and we've got it just, you know, back underneath and put on your shelf or whatever. Um, our, ours, once we've got them back in the clinic, we actually had a custom made cabinet made. Uh, Invisalign better not change their boxes. <laughs> no, it's fine. They're like cubby holes and it can, it can basically fit two patients three stacks high because we do complex cases. So there's kind of a lot of aligners there. And um, we're all into like prepared environment, kind of like super Montessori school. And so we have our aligner champion um, go ahead, open up their ClinCheck um, or the paper. We don't really use the paper that much anymore, but basically she'll open up the ClinCheck, run through it, and she'll do the same thing, like the little Bible notes on a sticky. So, you know, 40 active aligners, four passive, no overcorrection, class two elastics from day one. So that means we need two Kaplan hooks or two little silver buttons to bond. So she'll go ahead and already take those buttons out. We never preload the buttons with actually ortho glue. That will set, so don't do that. Um, but she'll go ahead and uh, write these little little notes and just stick it to the outside of the box. So what that does for me as a clinician, I used to do that myself before every patient. Um, I would quickly run through their thing and, and gather all this data. I had my little treatment notes that were transferred, but I'm still just kind of getting my head in the game. Is it mandibular advancement? Is it a carrier protocol? Um, what, what am I dealing with? But now I just have a sticky note and I trust her. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay. And so, um, so basically I don't have to think. So that also saves me chair time. And all I need to do is take the tray that she set up also prepared. And so it's prepared based on what that patient needs and who I am. So I use an Optrigate. I know you use NOLA and we have a lot of providers who use NOLA. So based on whoever's delivering, she'll set up that tray with exactly what we want for that bond procedure. She'll put the two Kaplan hooks, usually a third in case we drop one on the floor. Um, so basically it's just so streamlined. All I have to do is grab that patient's tray and it's all wrapped and covered and whatever and grab those boxes and I can just set it up. And um, by the time I call my patient back to the chair, pretty much everything I need um, unwrapped that I'm allowed to unwrap is unwrapped. And uh, I wait, I just save so much time doing that. And then I can mm -hmm. just get right down to it with the patient. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the chair. Um, so usually what I do, do you want me to just say what I do? And then you can, yeah, sure. You, you probably, I guess, you know what your team does. <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah. you know what your team does. <laughs> the key here is the team. If you have the ability to delegate to your team, doctors do it take the leap. You don't need control over bonding these little plastic bumps to the teeth. Like honestly, right? If it's legal, it's well, legal. Well, that's a caveat, caveat, caveat. caveat. <laughs> Two things I'd say first. Um, make sure that in your jurisdiction, because someone asked me this when I was in California, that your assistants can do what we're describing. So I practice yes. in Alberta. Kelly practices in Ontario. Um, assistants who've taken a specific module are able to do the bonding of attachments to the teeth as well as the buttons in both of those jurisdictions and in Ontario hygienists who've taken the course uh, can do it. So it's like a weekend course um, and then they have this as an expanded skill. But I know people who are listening in other places in Canada or the States that might not be the case, but in, in a lot of places they do have the ability to do that if they've taken their courses. And in some States I know they can do it without even needing to have taken a course. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, d yeah, definitely double check. Um, removing is the one is one of the things um, that is 
uh, removing with a high speed for sure, but even removing in general. I know a lot of uh, my orthodontists have to put some extra tear time in in the States where we don't have that problem in Canada. Um, but yeah, worth, worth checking for sure. Although just to um, clarify, um, I do actually take off all my own attachments with oh, a high speed. Wow. The assistants are not allowed to use a high speed in Alberta with a flame burr. So I, I remove them, but the assistants can remove the attachments with a round burr. It's not okay. as comfortable for the patients. I know we're getting no, on a tangent, probably. but um, they could go ahead and use a round burr and then use like a polishing cup afterwards to polish. Those are all fine because okay. it's on a slow speed. But can can a can a hygienist in Alberta, or maybe just it's a restorative? No. no. Uh, well, yes, actually, if it's a restorative hygienist, they would be able to use the high speed for with a polishing burr. So you're yeah. right. A restorative hygienist could. Okay. Awesome. I just have yeah. to stay away from the diamond burrs. <laughs> I'm like, never put gotcha. a silver burr on my tray. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't use the diamond burrs. We use, um, I know there's different philosophies about using a fine grit diamond. We we just go right to like a, a flame burr for cleaning up um, attachments as well as like cleaning up flash. I would say there's two different ways you do it. You either use a football burr is what we would use or a, I guess a flame burr. Or we'll, I actually prefer using like a four round going around the attachments and cleaning the flash with a small round, even like grabbing a, uh, yeah, like a four round, a three round, something in there, five round. It's nice around the, like the gingival. Cause with a flame, it's, it's, it's just a hard it's angle a hard to angle. get around that gingival with a straight, straight burr. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is what I do. So I, I'm like super competitive about chair time because if you can save time, you're basically, you, you can save like 10 or 15 minutes off every uh, bonding appointment or even debonding appointment. You basically created like another hour appointment that is another start or finish appointment, which is like so valuable um, in any practice, but especially in ortho specialty where we only work Monday to Thursday and like eight to four or whatever. So we have like, we never want to extend that. So we really are trying to pack more people into um, the same hours. So basically, when I bring my patient back, um, I basically don't I, I want to make it super fun. This is their first day. They're so excited. They have um, invested a, a, a lot of time, uh, future time and money um, into this. So I want it to be their, you know, special start day. So I'm usually like super pumped up, so excited for them. I'm Kelly sure my excited. team members aren't as excited as I'm excited <laughs> eight times a day. <laughs> that's not even the debond appointments, but it's the first time for them. So I, I, try, I do my best. Um, and so what I do is um, I, I do show them their ClinCheck, um, partly because I want them to be my partner. I want them to understand what's going on. Sometimes, you know, we do heroic things on the ClinCheck's and I just explain that to them. Um, people usually get it, but that's fine. Um, and so I walk them through their plan without going into too much detail. We're going to put these bumps on. There's going to be a little bit of slimming down between your teeth or polishing between your teeth or slenderizing between your teeth. All nice words for IPR. Um, I let them know if there's going to be multiple sessions of IPR. Usually there isn't. But if, if there is, I want to let them know that's a plan. It's not a mistake. Um, and then I do point out in their uh, their trays um, anything that's out of the ordinary or um, you know where we want to stop or where IPR might be. And we they have a sticker system, same as you, where we would pop on like a slim down sticker if IPR is planned at stage 20. 
I'm going to book them appropriately so that they don't get to stage 20. Um, but if they cancel it visually, they're going to know, um, okay, stop. Kelly told me uh, this slim down appointments coming or stop in general. Um, I have to stop here and get a new scan. Um, so that's again, part of the preparation uh, that our um, aligner champion is is doing for us. Those stickers are already on. I don't mess with that. And um, just to but clarify just for, for doctors Sorry? who don't know about the stickers you're talking about, can you give a bit of info about how stickers work and what, what that refers yeah, to? Yeah. So a trial and error, we've all made the mistakes because we've been doing this um, a while where We've ordered um, order correction, uh, over correction aligners where we've like over rotated teeth or overdone movements, um, knowing that sometimes they fall short. So we don't want them to get to those over correction until we assess them chair side or virtual C chain is a tight squeeze of the teeth um, where we're anticipating loose contacts between the teeth because we've done this so many times, we always end up with loose contacts. So now we're thinking ahead. But we want the patient to stop at that last active aligner so that we can floss and check before they have this tight squeeze in case it's unnecessary. Because if you have perfectly aligned teeth that have no space and then you add these overcorrection aligners or virtual C-chain aligners and squeeze them, actually you are crumpling their teeth up and that's a problem. And we've all delivered those aligners by mistake. And the patient comes back and they were like three weeks ago, they were amazing. They were super straight and then this happened. And then you figure out that you've delivered these tight squeeze aligners and um, you have to kind of backtrack from that. So to prevent that problem, we uh, created like stickers. Um, so uh, stop stickers are highly valuable for any reason, but stop definitely at the last active aligner before you even get to those tight squeeze aligners. Stop here because I want to have an in-office visit because you have like slim down, you have IPR, um, stop. Sometimes you need a mid-treatment attachment to go on because you've either missed that, the, the, the technicians have put that on for you um, by, well, not by mistake, but you just didn't catch Some, it. Sometimes or you have mistake. a really rotated tooth and you couldn't put it on at the beginning. And so you have to put it on at tray 15. And so you wanna have like a visual reminder to the patient um, adding a speed bump here, we call like, we call the little composite button speed bumps um, for the kids anyways. Um, so we have these little stickers um, that we've developed over time um, that work for us. Um, and as well as uh, we have um, a waterproof sticker that's just branded to our office with the contact information that we put on their aligner case and definitely their retainer case at the end um, because that's two different delivery days. Um, because every time they take that out of their lunchbox or their purse or their mm -hmm. pocket, it's branding our office and it's free. It's almost free. Yeah. It's only the cost of the sticker. Um, so that's just like a really good move. Um, and so stickers are amazing. And so Kelly, can you talk a little bit about, cause you have, uh, created actually a stop sticker system that doctors can just purchase. So they don't need to create their own, like we did this independently kind of like years ago uh, around the same time you were probably doing them too. We went yeah. and like designed them at Vistaprint and paid a graphic designer to mock something up for us, but you actually have stickers that they can just straight up buy. Um, how can they find those? So yeah, um, it's a uh, maximum 60.ca. Well, you can put it in the link after, Sorry, ma um, maximum. but basically my husband is a, a brand developer and he yeah. works a lot with orthodontists and 
pharma companies and whatever. And so obviously I'm his wife who talks nonstop about <laughs> Invisalign <laughs> at the time. And so we were encountering these problems. He probably got sick of hearing it. And so we came up with this system. And again, they're really inexpensive. You can buy them individually. So if you only need the stop stickers now, um, you don't need the other ones because you don't even know what overcorrection means and you're not in that boat. You just order what you want. Um, a lot of orthodontists, um, I mean, it's a regular thing. They're definitely ordering the branded ones for their cases um, because that just makes sense. Uh, so stop in the cases um, are, are highly, highly valuable IPR. Um, virtual, we have a whole virtual um, range. A lot of us are using dental monitoring. So it's just in those first few weeks to remind, especially younger patients, like, hey, take a selfie, take a selfie, check in with us, those types of things. You only need to have those stickers, you know, every seven to 12 aligners um, to remind them to do those things until it becomes a habit. And then the stickers aren't, aren't yeah, needed. And, and Kelly, what's the what's the website for it? Um, so it would be maximum60.ca. I'm just going to pull that up maximum60.ca okay yeah does it come up do i even know uh, my own website max60.ca i'll just double check this make sure it should be on there i'm, I'm sure it's highlighted unless it's uh, hidden by it's, it's not pulling up right now you can't see but, the stickers there um no it's it's not showing up on mine as maximum60.ca but what we'll do is we'll go ahead and put this in the show notes for anybody interested in buying yeah. these stickers um, but they're, they're great. They make things so much clearer for the patients. And what I really like about it is it creates accountability because mm -hmm. the patient can't show up and say, well, I, I used every single one of my trays. How was I to know that I wasn't to continue? And if you're like, well, yeah. no, you had a stop sticker on tray number 18 that said, stop, it's time for an appointment. And you yeah. didn't listen to that. We needed to go ahead and do some smoothing between your bottom teeth. And that's why things now are off track because we didn't do that. The teeth moved improperly and it, it just puts some accountability back on the patient and what we were talking about a little earlier is that at our office we don't pre-book all the appointments um, we wait till the patient gets close to that stop sticker and we have two different ones we have a stop sticker like we let's say we're doing IPR at tray number 20 we'll have a stop sticker at tray number 18 that tells them and, and assume they're changing once a week that'll tell them that they need an appointment coming up. So to contact our office and we'll book them in. Um, it allows us to keep our schedule like very flexible, but I know that a lot of offices are booked out for a long time and you don't have room for those. So it's totally okay to go ahead and, and just pre-book them for all their appointments. But what we found is sometimes patients weren't um, wearing their trays as much as they should have, or they would have gone a bit too fast and things are fitting and or, or they took longer and they wore a tray maybe for two weeks instead of one week because they went to Europe and they didn't bring enough trays. So they're showing up and they need to do IPR at tray number 20. And then they're actually on tray number 16. And the contacts haven't finished moving. The, the teeth haven't finished moving. So the contacts aren't available to, to do IPR easily between those contacts. So that's why we kind of stopped associating appointments with... Um, with certain time frames and more so what train number they were on but okay. again there is definitely some logistical aspects that it means more communication touch points with the patient um but either way you use the stop stickers whether it's just to remind the patient and make sure they don't blow through all their trays uh, because the other thing that kelly and i both do that you've kind of probably 
for anybody listening right now has kind of alluded to is that um, we give them all their trays because having 400 patients, there's no way in the world that we would be able to hold on to all of those trays for every patient. We would need a separate storage facility. And so Mm -hmm. we give the patients all their trays, but this is how we make sure that they know not to go through all of those trays. So it just makes things a lot more efficient, but you need to have those systems in place or else the patient just blows through all of their trays. Awesome. Okay. So we are set. Um, Again, I very quickly, when the patient's in the chair, I run through um, the tray setup. And the reason I do that, um, and I do it very quickly, but I basically do not want them to talk or interrupt me because I am like literally (laughs) on the clock. No one's rushing me. Um, But yeah, I just, I just want to get it done. So I just quickly run through like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have cheek retractors. I'm going to use this blue thing, not a needle. It's just a gel tastes like lemons. I know it doesn't taste good. Uh, it'll be over quick. I'm going to let you rinse at the end. Like, do not interrupt me. <laughs> Basically my point here with that. I say it very nicely. Um, I just tell them like, you know, after the blue stuff, you know, I'm going to give your teeth a shower, a little bit of glue. I'm going to put the trays in. I'm going to peel them out. Um, I typically, I, our office doesn't have the silicone. We've never sprayed them, um, but I do know that they stick to the tray. Sometimes I wonder if it's because I'm over curing. I'm melting the tray to my attachments. I don't know. These things cross my mind. Um, but what I do is, um, so when, once I basically walk through the tray so that they know exactly what I'm doing, I lean them back and just say, you're going to be back for like 10 minutes, probably 10 minutes for full arches. Um, and that way they, they, they kind of got it in their head what they're up, what, what's going to happen. And as they see things coming towards them, they're like, okay, well, here's the shower. Here's the taste. I get it. Um, and so typically... I do, I bond the full mouth at a time. I, I do the whole thing. Um, and I start with the lower because that's got the highest risk to, um, for contamination, saliva contamination. Um, and so I just kind of, I have four cotton rolls and an optigate. That's like my setup. And so I place the optigate. I put two cotton rolls by the tongue, dry everything off, um, etch everything. And I always etch um, in the same area, like well, the right posterior molar all the way around, assuming I have attachments on every tooth, which I don't always, but let's just assume. So right to left, and then I go up to the top and I'm putting etch everywhere. I am holding in my left hand, the first aligner tray. And the reason I'm doing that is I'm looking to see where are my attachments? Is there one lingual? Is it buckle? Like, where is it angled? Um, I don't mind putting extra etch on. I really don't because I can take it off myself. So I'm not causing the doctor extra time or anyone to come chair side. If that was the case, I would probably stay very particular, but I'm just putting etch on, but I just want to make sure I put it everywhere, including the areas that um, I'm going to need to bond elastic hooks. Um, But that helps by holding that first aligner tray, not the template because it's preloaded, right? So you don't want it to cure. And so I do that. By the time I've added all the etch to the upper arch, I'm ready to rinse the lower. Um, Rinsing is like really important to me, 10 seconds per tooth. And I literally count out loud because I'm a fast talker and I do everything kind of fast. (laughs) That's one area I I don't skimp. Um, And so uh, I start rinsing and rinse the top. And then I dry everything and then I replace my cotton rolls. So that's, that's, and I've got to four cotton rolls now. And then uh, add my Assure to the bottom, but I don't add my Assure or my Bond primer, whatever you want to call it, to the top because I want to double check that it's still frosty when I get to the upper arch. Um, So I add my little bit of Assure to the bottom, place my attachment template, which by the way, has been sitting on my tray outside of the box 
outside of the wrapper and it's under an orange shield. It's like a orange shield. Yeah, it's like a light protector in the attachments. I'll see if we can find the the link for the show notes here for doctors. Yeah, because that's super handy because it's preloaded, but now it's been sitting on my tray, even if it's been sitting there for 20 minutes, definitely before the patient got in there. And by the way, I've also now, before the patient got into um, the operatory, I've also now buttered my um, trans bond or uh, ortho glue onto the back of my elastic buttons. So silver buttons, ceramic buttons, whatever they are, those have now been preloaded. I don't even load those chair side. Um, Those are perfectly fine under the orange shield as well. And so once I place the template on the lower, um, I grab my curing light and I do a couple of things. I either grab my scaler um, or my fingernail, or I use my cotton plier and I wrap a couple little elastic uh, ortho elastics around it, just so it's not slippery. Cause I really am pushing kind of hard and oh, I don't want it to slip off the teeth. Yeah. And like the, the reason I'm doing that is you really want that template, that attachment you preloaded to really be right up against the tooth when yeah. you're curing, otherwise you're curing it away from the tooth, which doesn't make sense. Um, and I want kind of pressure on both sides. And then I have a free hand. I'm kind of blocking all the other attachments as I go. So I cure from the distal, most distal all the way forward, all the way back and kind of try to protect the others from the light until I have some pressure against them. Um, And then once I've done that, let's just assume we have elastic set up because a lot of our cases do. Um, You have those windows that are cut out. So I've already pre-etched that area. I already have the Assure on. Um, Just for overkill, I usually dab and add a little bit of extra Assure there um, just in case. And that's when I'll add those Kaplan hooks or little silver buttons or whatever to the back. And then uh, I leave that be. And then I move up to the upper and I dry. I just double check, am I still frosty? Add my Assure and do the exact same thing. Um, And then peeling it off is obviously a little harder for me (laughs) because I haven't done the silicone state. It's not not horrible, but what I do is I take that same scaler and on the buckle, I just tease it away um, from the tooth. So I, I can see or hear like a little bit of a pop. So I know it's released before I go to the inside, um, the very distal of the terminal molar on the lingual is where you always wanna click, click, and then peel it off. And if you've already pre-loosened it because you've either used the silicone spray or you've teased it away from the teeth, um, you're gonna find the removal is just so much easier. Yeah, really great pearls here. I'm learning things too, actually. I'll, I'll say the things that I haven't done and that I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, I like that you hold the bottom tray while you're etching or the top tray to kind of see where the attachments are rather than looking at the sheet or having the clincheck on a computer behind you, being able to hold that tray in one hand while you're kind of etching. I think that's really slick. Um, I'll, I'll give, um, something that we do and as well as putting like a little elastic on your finger just so when you're pushing because sometimes Mm -hmm. the tray is really slippery or on the um on the cotton pliers because those those are the only tools that we have on the tray apart from drills are a scaler yeah or some kind of pushing instrument doesn't necessarily but your scaler is handy scaler mirror and cotton plier like invisalign is so light on it on instruments it's amazing I'll, I'll give some insights to doctors because um, I, I think what's super cool about the podcast is we come at things with like two different worldviews because Kelly's worked in high, high production ortho clinics with the systems completely dialed in. And then on my side, starting as a general practitioner, like I remember doing my, my first case was 2017 and I placed all my own attachments and I did everything myself in the beginning, which I know a lot of you guys are going to be too. 
And also mm-hmm. I'll just say it, like I'm not as good as Kelly <laughs> when it comes to doing attachment <laughs> setups. So I'll, I'll give you some advice and, and, and tips here for uh, if you're brand new and you're like, well, that, that sounds great, but um, I, I'm not as good as Kelly. <laughs> so what I'll do actually with trays is I won't necessarily bond everything at once because I find I'm not good enough with the saliva contamination. And mm-hmm. so what I'll do is I find, like Kelly said, the terminal molars are the ones that get the most saliva on them. I like to start on the uppers. So I'll go ahead and I'll etch all the uppers. And like Kelly said, either with like an gate or if you're using a NOLA, and that's a different type of isolation system. And so we'll go ahead and I'll etch all of the teeth and I'll bond all of the teeth. But let's say that I realize that this is a teenager who has a small mouth and I'm worried about their cheeks touching those bonded areas. I'll go ahead and I'll cut the trays into three pieces. So I'll cut them kind of like distal to the canines and just cut them into those three pieces. And then I'll go ahead and try to get the the distal sections on as quickly as possible, just so once they're on, now the saliva is not gonna be touching from the buckle. It could still seep under the trays. But Mm -hmm. I'll try and get those on. Um, And what I'll do a bit differently is I'll just do a bit of a tack cure. So I'll go ahead and I'll cure for maybe three seconds. And like Kelly said, the the keys are really to make sure that the trays are adapted really well against the teeth. And so I'll push from the occlusal with my finger and I'll push really hard from the buckle with the curing light. Okay. Taking this back one step, what we do is I'll actually go in though, right when I put the attachment template on, I'll kind of push and I'll massage kind of all mm. the attachments before because Kelly was kind of talking about this. Um, but when you are pushing against the, um, when you're curing the one tooth, the next one's going to start to get a little bit of ambient light and cure it. Yeah. And, and so I really like what you were mentioning there about how to try to block it out with your finger. So you're really only mm. curing the one at a time. Um, so what we do to kind of help out with that too is we go ahead and kind of massage all the attachments from the buckle before curing any of them. So however many are in kind of that section, whether we're doing the whole tray or we're doing a partial tray. Okay. And then that way they're, they're kind of nicely adapted before we start any of the curing. And then I'll just tack cure for maybe like three seconds per tooth. And then we'll go ahead and I'll go to the other posterior template on the other side. And then I know the anterior is really easy to keep dry. So mm-hmm. once I've got those on, then I, can know, I know I can kind of like relax a little bit. If it's someone who's really good... Um, I'll go ahead and just place all three of the section trays in at the same time and just cure everything. If I've got lots of time and it's relaxed, there's no saliva contamination and I'll do the same thing. Then if the patient looks really relaxed and good, I'll etch everything and bond everything at the same time. But that's kind of that trick really helped me a lot when you'd have someone with a ton of saliva. So then we're going to the bottom arch again, cut the trays. You go ahead and you just get the attachments on, tack cure those back molars. So then that way you can come back and cure them for a good 10 or 15 seconds um, as yeah. you move through. We don't necessarily cure everything tremendously. Like we'll usually cure it for maybe like five to 10 seconds uh, okay. per attachment because I find a lot of the ambient light cures the neighboring attachments. Um, yeah. But you definitely, if you want to make sure that you're doing things like as thoroughly as possible, a few keys that I put into the steps that we, we haven't said is make sure that you etch, like Kelly said, for like at least 10 to 20 seconds. This takes me back to dental school, but I believe the proper amount of etching time for a cut tooth surface is like 15 seconds. Hmm. Um, you guys who've taken um, 
bonding courses would, would know those numbers better than I do. If you have a tooth that is really hard to bond to, I would bond it for, or I would etch it, sorry, for longer because it's uncut enamel. And so yeah. it, it needs a bit more time. If you have something that keeps falling off, I would etch it for like 30 seconds or 40 seconds or even a minute. Yeah. When you scrub the bond in, make sure you scrub it in really well. Um, don't just go ahead and like put the bond on, really like scrub it in on the tooth. And then make sure to dry. If you're using an ortho bond like Assure mm. or um, ortho solo bond, you don't need to cure that bond before you place your attachments on. This yeah. is different from when we do fillings and you need to cure your bond. You don't have to cure it. And then one more little point is when you're doing buttons, if you're placing buttons for um, elastics, don't use dental composite. <laughs> Make sure you're using actual mm. ortho cement. Yeah. Um, and are you, do you use Transbond too, Kelly? I use Transbond. We use that like to bond brackets, carriers, yeah, anything buttons. metal. Yeah. Don't, yeah, a lot of times I'll hear doctors saying, well, my buttons keep falling off. And then they'll say like, I put lots of flowable on. It's like, no, oh, no. that's the problem is that you yeah. don't want to use composite or flowable, <laughs> packable or flowable for your buttons. You want to use specific ortho cement. It's much yeah. more dense. And so when you're taking it off, it's it's harder to get off at the end, but you really can see the difference in material. It's meant to glue things to the teeth, not to be used for fillings. So those exactly. are kind of all my little tips and tricks that I've kind of come I think across. that's great. And I think, I mean, it is very, very common in ortho specialty too, for people to section trays and do quadrants. It really is how that uh, doctor or whoever has trained their team or what their comfort level is. And I'm sure even in our office, there are different clinicians doing it different ways. As long as you're successful, that's <laughs> exactly. all that really matters. Exactly. <laughs> um, also, again, the, the whole point here is don't be afraid to cut your template. It's, it's a yeah. one use only, especially with Invisalign, if you're using... Um, in, uh, optimized attachments. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say one use only, but um, only if you have like an as a full segment tray. or a really like weird tooth, a blocked out tooth, you can literally cut an individual tooth. Um, like if I had crazy sharp teeth where there's like, there's three teeth deep in the front and um, there's actually hardly any attachments on the front. Well, why am I going to try to seat that template when I'm struggling with saliva over all those crazy teeth? I'm going to cut those teeth out of the picture. So that that would be a reason I would section my tray. Good point. Um, or if there was a very important attachment that I was worried wouldn't seat ideally, I would I would section the individual tooth out of it. And um, we used to, well, I, I, I save the attachment template and I actually keep it in office and we file them alphabetically. It's a real pain to go look for those. I'm not <laughs> no going to lie. Most of the time, if an attachment falls off, we just reassess, is it vital? Is it not vital? Um, by looking at the ClinCheck or ask, asking the doctor who's planned it, is it a best supporting actor who is the anchor supporting the movement? Also important. Um, but we will we will make a decision. Um, do we need to rebond it? We always err on the side of obviously kind of not rebonding it if it's not necessary. But if it is, we take that template um, either out of the alphabetical drawer. We just don't trust patients to keep it or bring it back. But I know um, we used to, and I know you do, you keep it and you put it like in their last box under their last tray. It's got a black line on it. It says template. Um, and we used to ask our patients to bring all their things back in. Some did, some didn't. Um, our, our rule is just as long as you have the plastic in your mouth, 
That's really all I need to know if you're doing well. Is it fitting? Um, you're probably, I don't know what day you change on. It's probably not today. Don't even care because it's not going to fit <laughs> ideally. It's got bounce to it. So yeah. I'm totally like that. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> Sometimes you haven't lost all your aligners. But if you don't have plastic in your mouth, don't even come to the door. Like, yeah. what am I going to look at? It's just a conversation. It's like yeah. a coffee chat. Um, but uh, yeah, template, I, I do like to save them. If you're not giving out all your aligners, then you know, put it yeah, back in, it yourself. put it back in the bag. Yeah. yeah. So, um, one thing that we'll do, I'll, I'll kind of touch on a few things that you said there, cause I think you have a lot of interesting points. Uh, <laughs> the first one was if I'll just take this back a step. If the, uh, you take the attachment template off and one attachment has fallen off, it didn't stick. What we'll do, well, what I'll do is I'll usually cut the attachment template if I haven't already. And I just cut out that tooth and the tooth next to it. Just something okay. to help it kind of like mm -hmm. the tooth next to it helps its seat. But I okay. don't really want to try and have to now like snap the whole template on over 16 attachments just to get that one attachment on. And I'm yeah. kind of struggling to get that flimsy template over it. I'd rather just cut that one tooth out and use that. And what Kelly's talking about when she said it's a one use only, what she means is you can only use the template as the full like tray horseshoe uncut one time because once the teeth start moving let's say you're on tray 15 well now that template's not going to fit because it's set to tray number zero so if you have a patient who comes back and they've lost their attachment and you want to go ahead and, and glue a new one on you can't use the same template you can go ahead and order a new one from a line which i would not recommend doing because it's a massive be waste of time yeah. Instead, what you want to do is you go ahead and you just cut their template and cut out that one tooth. Or in this case, you don't want to cut the neighboring tooth. You just cut the one tooth right. because the two teeth have moved. So you only can cut the one tooth to almost create a crown form. Fill that right. with composite, bond it back onto the tooth, and you're good. What we do differently in our office, so Kelly is completely right that we found that patients would confuse their attachment template for a, a, a tray. Yeah. and get confused. So what we did is we took Ziploc bags and we just used a label maker and we made like a hundred labels with our label maker, just saying attachment template, bring this to an appointment if the tr if an attachment, if a bump falls off. Okay. And okay. so then we go ahead and we put that on the Ziploc bag and then we go ahead and put the, the actual Invisalign bag with the cut up template that we might've cut up from our initial bond in that Ziploc bag or in the actual attachment template bag, which then goes in the Invisalign bag. Okay, and then sweet. that way it's something kind of different. So we can show them, hey, this is what we use to put bumps back on. If you lose a bump, you need to bring it in. Awesome. And then, because yeah, I agree with you. Like what a hassle trying to file 400 alphabetical attachment templates. And then what happens is you, I'm sure you run into this, you end yeah. up on a refinement Oh yeah, and there's, two. <laughs> you, you, there's like five different attachment templates in there from five refinements. And then like you need to spend almost like an entire day throwing away all the old ones from like 2018 that are still filed mm -hmm. and you never know what's current. And so you end up with just like all these old trays and then someone throws away the wrong one anyways, cause they're cleaning them out yeah. and they throw away a current one and then they come back. So we, we finally kind of found that was a system we liked and a little different again with how we do it is we found that giving the patient like a reusable grocery bag that we okay. just went on Vistaprint and yep. you should get Rob to do that too, Kelly. You should get Rob to do your husband for those listening to create uh, like designs of like a grocery bag or something. So you could sell the stop stickers, uh, the stickers for their actual case. And then also 
like a branded grocery bag. bag. Yeah, because we have a big one. So we get them to put all their trays in that bag. And then we just tell them, look, leave them all in this bag somewhere. Like leave it in your bathroom, yeah. under the sink or somewhere. And then bring all your trays. We tell them that they can throw away all of their trays except for the last three trays. Okay. But I like for them to bring all their trays in because then it kind of just puts, like we don't use them. We don't really need to do a lot to those trays usually. But it kind of puts the onus on them, like you said, that a lot of times patients don't do that. Mm-hmm. But if they show up without even having plastic on their teeth, so they show up yeah. to the appointment and they don't have their aligners, it's like, well, you were supposed to actually have all of your trays with you here today. And you yeah. didn't even bring the one that's in your mouth. Like, it's almost like we set the bar higher for what they need to do yeah. because yeah. we know they're always going to fall short of that. So mm-hmm. um, that's why we have them bring all their trays. And then also just because sometimes you do have to go ahead and like cut or modify yeah, the trays. cut or punch or yeah. fill a and, and if someone just came in like an hour through traffic or from out of town and then you're like, oh, I need to like cut your trays. And they're like, oh, I, I didn't bring any of them. Then it's not yeah. my, it's not like I'm the one who's inconveniencing them. Instead, yeah. it's like, oh, well, you know, from our instructions, we need to have these trays every single time. That's really unfortunate. Especially like when you get into growing smiles, like erupting yeah. teeth, uh, sabotage you very quickly. And you really want to avoid a refinement scan and replanning that whole ClinCheck modification process. It's fine to do it when we need to do it. Um, but if you can just adjust your tray, I love that part. I love like problem solving chair side and using hole punchers or, or aligner pliers to, to, to fix things instead of aborting mission. So many people are like, oh, this tray's not tracking. <laughs> yeah, we see exactly. it not necessarily necessarily our Facebook, but we see it on other Facebooks like, oh, whatever. And they're like, so I took a rescan. I'm like, oh my God, I would never scan for yeah, that. I'm like, that's going. fixable. <laughs> totally. So yeah, you, you learn. Um, so sometimes, especially as you get into the um, teen and, um, you know, phase one leaning into phase two, um, having their trays uh, to show parent or to give them at least one or two or three aligners that you've kind of given them the idea of where they need to trim or for some par- families, you're just like, I better trim your trays because yeah. you guys are. Yeah. It's Not a little bit there. too, yeah, it's a little too complicated for you to do it all. So we'll exactly. have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, so that's that. And then, I mean, so we've got all the attachments on there. Obviously we talked about removing flash. So let's just assume all the flash is gone. We put our black light on, they're good to go. Um, so then the next step is really having them try in that first aligner. I usually do that for them just to make sure, because sometimes it is a struggle on crazy teeth. Oh, yeah. um, so I, I make sure I know how it's going to go on on well. Um, and then I show them, I demonstrate to them again, how to remove it from the inside on the lingual and, um, for very complicated teeth or teeth that have a lot of attachments, um, you know, they just want to pull it out. They're just like, go for it. And they're pulling yeah, and they're grabbing from the buckle and they're just like reefing. Yeah. And you've done all that hard work to get those attachments on there. So I, sh- I'd show them how to like unclick it, um, even from both sides on the, yeah. uh, the inner on the posterior. So click, click. And then peel. Usually you can just peel it. And I tell them, don't be afraid to break it. You know, it's it's elastic. It's it's okay. But sometimes they do get stuck at a canine. Like they peel it part way and then it's stuck. So then I just tell them, reach into the other side and then peel it that way. Or click, click, and then actually go buckle to buckle, like cheek to cheek. Because really when you think about it, it's the plastic unlatching from those big rectangular attachments yeah. that we place on. And uh, once they do that, that the side to side, it's not a problem. And I mean, within three days, they're experts. Yeah, so just totally. everyone calm down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a good point. First of all, telling them for the first couple of days, it's going to be a little bit complicated, but I've never had a patient who's come in and not been an expert at removing their trays within two weeks. 
something yeah. like that. So within three days, you're going to be great at this. And I really like what you said there because a lot of doctors don't know this. So I would say when I'm lecturing for anybody who's fallen asleep, wake back up again for this one. <laughs> but this is a great point that Kelly said. When you're taking the trays off and you're doing it from the lingual of the teeth, you want to kind of pull down a little bit to break the seal, but you also really want to push that into the cheek. You're pushing that buccally. And that's what kind of pops it off on the premolars and the maybe mm. like the, the first molar. So you're kind of pushing down a little bit and you're pushing buccally. And really like getting that buckle seal broken with the, the premolars, then it's really just sitting on, and if you do that both sides, it's just sitting on canine to canine. Mm-hmm. Then you go ahead and we we will usually get them, like you said, either they kind of grab the one side and they kind of just pull and it almost like peels off the rest of the anterior teeth yeah. one at a time. Or we just get them to grab both sides. So they use right mm-hmm. and left hand, they grab the back of the tray and then they kind of just pull down and forward a bit and it okay. just pops off. And Kelly, I'm sure you've seen a million times, like patients, they just end up like they'll find their, their way. But the key yeah. is just don't have them take out the tray from the buckle because no. if their fingernail is rubbing against the mucosa or the gingiva, um, the buccal mucosa is much more likely to have recession than the palatal or the lingual. And so mm-hmm. that's just a really big thing we tell them is if your fingernail scrapes against the same spot every time you take them out for the next year, you can cause recession. So you need to mm-hmm. use your fingernails on the inside instead of on the outside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely have them place it and remove it one time. Just that's like, you don't want to skip that step. Yeah. Um, if you have elastics, it's kind of a whole different conversation. And they also struggle with that, which makes sense. They're tiny little elastics. Men or teenage boys usually who have like sausage fingers, no fingernails, they're at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, but again, you show them your way. I usually will show them my preferred way to do it. Um, like, you know, stretch it, get it on that precision cut, or if it's a hook to hook, that's even easier, but get it on there, get it a little slimmer. So it's easy to, um, you know, pull on, put your finger through it. And then just with your finger, try not like doing it in a mirror. You kind of want to look, but it doesn't make any sense to look. It's all by feel. So just have them feel for that little, you know, um, whether it's a round button, that little ledge or a Kaplan hook, it's like a little bunny ear wing. You feel for it with your fingernail and the elastic just slides right off it onto the hook and they get it. Um, They might, that's the most frustrating for me because again, chair time, I'm like, Come on. Come on. Yes. It yes. Help them if I get in there and do it again, my fingers, I've done it thousands of times. I am not mm. helping them. Yeah. Um, and if they're really struggling, I just say, you know what? Don't worry about it. This is everyone does this. Don't get discouraged. Take the first few days, do it as much as you can. But if you're in the middle of school, especially school, right? Or yes. work, like yes. whatever yes. adults who are at work. If you're struggling, don't worry about it. Eventually, yes, you need to be wearing these 24 seven. So within a week, I want you to get there. But if in the first days, if at school, you are, yeah, so stressed out, calm down because the last thing you want is them to call and say, I can't do it. I can't do it, whatever. Yeah, Kelly, this is like such a key thing. I don't know that I've ever really talked about it that much in any of the courses or any of our previous podcasts, but everything you just said there, I'm just like, preach it, preach it (laughs) because- (laughs) That's such a key thing is that there's a lot going on at this first appointment. And so for patients to not get frustrated and want to quit within that Mm -hmm. first week because their standards are too high almost that they're like, I couldn't get my elastics in. And like parents coming back saying that their child cried all day because they couldn't get their elastics in at school. And you're like, oh God, this is like such a minor thing. Like they will get it for sure. 
by the end of like one week, they'll have it. But exactly what Kelly said, tell them this is not a big deal. If they can't get it on their own at school or they're struggling a lot, practice at home. If you haven't figured it out within a week, then we'll bring, we'll bring you back in and we'll practice more in person. But like mm-hmm. 95% of the time, they get it figured out. But a lot of times they don't get it figured out that first day or the second day or the third day. No. And so just making sure that they understand that they're not failing in treatment, that this isn't something that means that like they're going to get in trouble. Um, we used to have so many calling us with like tears and frustrated parents saying how much they hated Invisalign or braces just because they couldn't mm-hmm. get elastics on. Once we kind of made sure to hit that point before they left, that it's yeah. like practice, do the best that you can. I'm confident you're going to get it. But if you don't, we'll see you in a week. Just give us yeah. a phone call if you're struggling still. And like the first day, I mean, their saliva is on overdrive because the taste of that etch and there's a new, there's something new in their mouth. So that like, they think they're eating, their brain thinks they're eating. So it's very slippery, more slippery than it's going to be in a few days. And they don't know where these things are. You've glued them. You've seen them a million times or yeah. we've seen them a million times, but they don't know where they are. And, and your natural habit is to open your mouth really wide to get there, which doesn't help because now you're stretching the elastic <laughs> like four times its you know length. Um, so it's just, it, it is a stretch. Struggle, um, and even getting them out. So, but you, same thing. You just say, you know, you're going to get this. Um, you know, if anything, totally. it's stuck in there. Eat with it in, drink with it. In. Like the world's not going to end. So just, you know, yeah. it's it yeah. just every, yeah, get, everyone get comfortable for the first week, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, so I think, yeah, most people really do really well with that. Um, at that point, we walk through like um, their magical kit with them. Um, I love, it's a really good experience. Everyone loves a loop bag. So it's a really good experience yeah. on that first <laughs> yeah, first delivery uh, day. Um, of course, you're giving them their aligners. That's a little less wow, but whatever. And when they see those stacks of that comprehensive case, they feel like they got their $7,000. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's true. Um, and then we already have prepared. Um, we have them in our storage room already lined up. We don't do that to your side either um we're a little bit overkill but again this is something we itemize on their new patient um you know their document that they've signed that where they're paying like all the things that we're including so their retainers um oral b offers amazing ortho packages that are like electric toothbrushes and all the fixing it's a whole gathered package that is a really good value i mean even if you're not doing ortho and you sold that in your front office um you you can make a little bit of money on that and it's a good value so we we give them like and even if they're in um aligners for sure we give them an electric toothbrush we give them an extra attachment that actually they could brush their aligners with that's a little overkill but whatever we give them a travel toothbrush we give them a full-size rinse with a little bit of a daily fluoride again if they're anti-fluoride don't take it um <laughs> we just we just give all to uh, everything to them we we don't make our kids um or adults brush during the day at school uh they don't even have time to eat at school these days um we just say rinse with water so we give them a branded water bottle um the kids get a branded um those little cinch yeah the cinch backpack uh, again, oh, gym class, we, we want you to know where you're getting your treatment. Yeah. These things all cost like nothing. They're, yeah, they're all they're very inexpensive. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Nail file. We just tell them if something's really bothering you in the first few days, go ahead. I mean, I don't dwell on that because really it's that's just an adjustment period. Same with the attachments. I don't know if, for those of us who've had aligner therapy, 
the attachments, even though they look really glossy and slippery, they feel gravelly that first day mm -hmm. to your lips and cheeks. Um, and if you've had IPR, um, sometimes those margins um, feel edgy because, I mean, my orthodontists don't go in with polishing strips and polish those off. <laughs> but we just wear those suckers down. <laughs> um, but I remember for myself thinking, woo, like sharp edges and whatever. And again, those go away. So I let the patients know, hey, that's normal. I know it feels crazy right now. You might even get a little ulcer here or there, but it's nothing like brackets. Brackets yeah. and wires are thousand times worse. Um, so within a few days, you're not even going to notice these, um, which is a true fact. Uh, it's not that you just get used to them. They actually smooth down a bit. And then also a great thing to let the patients know is that first couple days in those aligners, well, first weeks, really, they're only hitting on their back molars, only their second molars touch, which is a really weird feeling for them. There's two layers of plastic between their teeth. Um, so I tell them right now, you feel like you can only touch your back teeth. That's going to settle over time and still be weird because you have plastic between your teeth, but it'll become the new normal. Mm -hmm. When we finish treatment, you're going to only feel like you, your front teeth touch and you'll be wondering, why don't any of my back teeth touch? Also normal. Yeah. <laughs> also, we will fix that, like, you know, settling. But I'm setting them up for success. Um, they'll remember that I said that mm -hmm. um, and that all of these things, when they're going home thinking, do they know what they're doing or whatever, um, yeah. you know, so totally. just kind of set them up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I love these these sessions with you, Kelly, because like I'm learning things too where I'm like, that's so smart to give them the branded backpack string bags because they're cheap and they're great branding. Um, yeah, we're similar. We have all our like swag bags set up and things that we give. Um, I am a little different. I give them three travel toothbrushes. I used to give oh. them one and then I'd because I kept getting this answer from kids like, why aren't you taking care of your teeth? like well i don't have a toothbrush when i'm away from the house so then i was just like i'm gonna give their dollar each I'm like here's three of them i'll even give yeah. kids like five yeah. anytime you come in and you want a travel toothbrush here you go yeah we give them out like candy um we have a little nail file that we just bought on amazon just like a paper nail file and we bought a thousand for like 10 bucks so we give them a nail file to say they can file down the edge of the trays if it's a bit rough to their lip um we give them uh, chewy, munchy, or the new one that's just at the market is called a crunchy. Um, okay. I am cheap, so I didn't use munchies um, because they're like $8 a munchie. And so mm -hmm. really what I feel like you need with an aligner seeder, like something that they can bite down and chew on. So for anybody who doesn't know, a chewy, munchy, or crunchy is just a little silicone uh, like thing, I guess. Think of like a highlighter, a, 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 a Chewy is like the back of a highlighter cap where yeah. you can go ahead and just bite down and it pushes the uh, aligners to fit better by pushing them over the attachments if things aren't fitting as, as tight as you want them to. Right. Um, the munchie then was created and the munchie has like little grooves that you can bite into and now a crunchy is like two and a half, three bucks, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's sold through the Air Institute, um, mm -hmm. Jeff Skinner um, and Terry Coddington. Um, they're involved with kind of design and, and kind of finding these and getting them made with um, medical grade silicone and, and, and Deirdre. Um, if she's listening to this, I'll give her a mm -hmm. shout out because uh, that's where I heard they originally found them from. But essentially it's a, just a cheaper version uh, of an aligner seeder. Mm -hmm. But uh, we'll give them those. So we'll give them a couple um, crunchies or um, chewies at this point. And then we give them some toothpaste. And I like what you said about giving them some mouthwash. That's nice. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so we give them their swag. Yeah, bag. like those are things that could like def definitely, if, especially if they've gone for a second opinion 
And yeah. you, you've like listed this out. I mean, you've listed out the nail, like you've, you're really <laughs> listing things and you're just like, wow, it's like almost the same money, this. but I get all of this. It's yeah. just added value. Um, you know, I just think that's why not, yeah. why not do why that? Not? Yeah. Um, List it yeah. all on the, uh, the invoice when you tell them what's included. Yeah. My good friend, yeah. Peter Braun out of Vancouver, he does the same thing. Uh, we don't, but he lists kind of all the different things like uh, enamel, like recontouring. Um, yeah. he would list that's on the actual, like what's included in the invoice. And then, um, yeah, patients just see all the things that they get that are beyond just straightening the teeth. Okay. Awesome. So we're probably um, getting close to the end here. I know I need to yeah. um, go feed Claire some lunch and put her down for a nap. Soon, but <laughs> how, how are we doing for our list? <laughs> Yeah, no, we're we're pretty much done. Um, when you were saying filing, it just led me to one point. Um, do not, if your patient says they're biting on their attachment or the attachment feels rough, file that under any circumstances. I mean, not any circumstances, but especially if you're a beginner, leave it to be. They'll get used to it. It is non-issue with their aligners in. They're not going to feel it. Um, and it, it's edgy for a reason. Not, you know, yeah, you don't, don't especially don't tell your team that. You don't want your team rounding things. Yeah, although I will say one thing that we do at our office. So yeah, um, yeah you don't want to like take off the sharp edges of the aligners on the gingival surface because that's where the trays snap into. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing a, and unfortunately Kelly can't be there for this one, but Terry Coddington and I are doing a um, an attachments um, webinar coming up and we're going to talk about attachment design, but one was so this a little off topic but the gingival surface of the attachments is where the tray snaps onto which makes sense because when you're trying to remove the tray from the mouth what's preventing it from lifting up the gingival aspect and so the occlusal aspect of most attachments does not have that much value to them and that's why when you actually look at a lines attachments usually for the optimized ones that they put on if you look at the clincheck and you see how the, the the occlusal part of the attachment is kind of like smooth into like a, a tapering sloped away yeah it's sloped away and then the gingival part though is where it's got kind of like crisp flat edge and so if someone is biting on their attachment normally i agree with kelly it's just like you're gonna get used to it the things that we do orthodontically with brackets and wires with like putting blue glue on the molars and propping mm -hmm. open their bite there's so many worse things than biting on an attachment but if you have a really particular patient you could go ahead and you can smooth on the occlusal aspect of that attachment, but you don't want to go in there and just be like smoothing off all the sharp edges of the attachment. Or the buckle, like, because yeah. if it's a tipping attachment, like yeah, if you're if reducing the size of it. Yeah, it's not going to fit in the aligner. And then the interface is wrecked and the plastic won't push properly against that attachment to make the movement occur. Yeah, so, so just think about it before yeah, you do it. <laughs> it's, it's important to understand the attachment design and the biomechanics of what you're trying to accomplish. So, and exactly. uh, yeah, that's very important. Awesome. Um, so really, so if we're wrapping up this ap appointment, um, uh, again, we're kind of probably reiterating to the patient that like we're in a partnership, we need you to do your part. We we both have a video um, that we have usually pre-sent out to this new patient so they could watch mm -hmm. it even before this appointment. Um, we have one of even what to expect at your first appointment. So that tray walkthrough, I don't expect everyone's watched these things, but it helps kids who have anxiety as well, or teens or adults who have anxiety, what's happening. Um, so they can watch what to expect that first visit. Of course, we have them for elastics. All We have them for everything. Um, but in, important is the, the instructions of care. And so, but it's, you still need to go over that. So we won't go over it here, but again, just, you know, the wearing them 24 yeah. seven, um, again, the chewies, fantastic especially if they're not fitting and they have like active 
you know, we have active areas of the aligner, so it makes sense to seat those. But honestly, the back of your toothbrush is is bouncy. It's kind of like, um, it's bouncy, right? Most people have like a comfort handle. Well, even like chew, you can cut up. So if you want to be real cheap, you can cut up suction tips. Just like yeah. the saliva ejector suction Wooden, tips. Wooden, soft chopsticks, disposable chopsticks. Yeah. Like, honestly, get those branded. Yeah. Soft wood. <laughs> yeah. Even, well, even something that's not soft, in my opinion, like it's just something to push the aligner over the attachments. Yeah. Like I've told patients that they're out of town, they live five hours away. I'll just tell them like, bite on the back of a pen. Just yeah, like chew on exactly. something just to push the liner up over the attachment. That's really all the chewies and yeah. munchies are doing. Because we used to give out like even just the chewy chewies, um, like hotcakes. And then people would just keep asking because it's something you, we love free things. We're just ridiculous <laughs> people. And so you just keep asking for these things, whether you're using them or not. And only we know how, much, how expensive they are. And honestly, if they're wearing their aligners all the time, there's very little need for a cedar. It's just we're not perfect yeah, as you, human. You shouldn't really. Um, I, I never used a chewy and I, yeah. I clench. So maybe that's. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, video instructions, um, but yeah. do go over them briefly with them so that you've covered both bases in case they never watch that. Um, and then most of us would pre-book their next appointment. I tend to um, already have it mapped out their whole life. So I pre-book their next <laughs> two appointments. So if we're checking them in, um, let's just pay up like uh, we, we really trust people and we've been doing it a long time, but let's say we see them in eight weeks or 12 weeks. Um, I would book the, those two mm. next visits. Um, and we kind of pair our visits every time we have like a refinement scan, we've already pre-booked four weeks later, their insert. It could be a short insert if we expect no attachments or no IPR, or it could be, um, slightly longer, not that long. Cause there's not too much work to do, but let's say it's 20 minute. Uh, where we have to add an attachment or something, but we always have a scan booked with an appointment, a new patient exam. We pre-booked their appointment. We are already guaranteeing ourselves we're selling that case. And if we don't, it leaves a gap in the schedule that's pre-reserved for a debond or a same day start or something like that. So um, we we just like to block those out because our schedule gets so tight and we don't want someone to call up and we can't get them in because we really have no space. Um, And then most importantly, I would say is charting. So we have preset, I mean, Dr. Shulk is like the expert at this. He's very next level with his text edit or a text <laughs> expander um, yeah. situations. Um, in our software, we have preset protocols where basically we just tick boxes. So initial bonding appointment, etch, like profi-etch, blah, 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 blah. All the things that I would type as a clinician that I did this stuff, um, we just tick boxes and it auto-populates. So as your text, a text expander would be the same thing. And it expands in a in a perfect bonding procedure. I did all of this stuff, and then I can just add in my little notes like patient was a pain in the butt and it was yeah. a lot of saliva or whatever, yeah, yeah. or couldn't bond to the porcelain crown, uh, leave it that type of thing. And um, also key notes, um, IPR in particular. Did you do it? Did you not do it? Um, sometimes the doctor will do half of it. Why? Yeah, <laughs> they get don't tired. Don't, <laughs> don't do all that. your IPR properly. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. So. Really good charting so that the next person who sees the patient is on board with what happened there. Or if they really were struggling with elastics, just a little, you know, and again, if all this is preset, that just wraps up that appointment really, really nicely. Um, You know, good luck patient. Call us if you need us. Um, Usually they don't call. Usually everything's awesome. Yeah. And, And ours is a little different again, because I mean, this is kind of the beauty of some of the tech that we use nowadays. Like we're on dental monitoring, which means that patients are doing cell phone scans every week just yes. using their the app the dental monitoring app they take a little video of their teeth we have access to see how the trays are fitting and it will send us notifications if the patient's trays aren't fitting properly 
if they're fitting properly, a message that we've created and we have in a template automatically gets sent out to them telling them what the, the next step is. And so there's a lot of artificial intelligence going on in the background. So we only get notified when things aren't fitting properly. So what we found as an office is like, we don't really need to pre-book because we have so much available room because right. we'll be finishing these very complex cases sometimes with only maybe like five in-office visits. So awesome. because we've removed a lot of the check appointments where we just pat them on the head and say, good job. <laughs> Instead right. now, those are getting cut out and we don't need that chair time anymore. So every practice is going to be different in terms of how you run things. And the dental monitoring is for sure a more kind of advanced in-depth system that you have to use. Um, but yes, I think Kelly is right in that if you are just starting off and you want to keep it very clear and clean and not forget things, pre-book them. Um, and that's just going to ensure that everything stays on track. Mm -hmm. And then as you get more systematic in how you approach things and, and you kind of get the feel for it, then you might continue doing that or you might realize that there's other ways that you can do it. And again, the beauty of the, uh, the, the, the courses online or the ones that we teach in person is that we're going to go through lots of different philosophies, different methods that you can use. Um, mm -hmm. Because as Richard Litt always said, if you learn from one person, you've gotten training. If you learn multiple mm -hmm. approaches from different people, you've got an education. So exactly. we want to give you guys awesome. a full education with lots of different ways to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So cool. yeah, we've got delivery yeah. under our belts. Nice. Um, maybe the next one will be monitoring, um, a combo of monitoring in that first visit back, like yeah. because <laughs> you're yeah, kind of glazed great. over, like, what am I looking for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, nice chatting with you, Kelly. Okay. Yeah. Fun, Enjoy your Friday. You too. All right. Give Claire a kiss for us. I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs>